that account of David in 2 Samuel 7, uh, thinking especially of his prayer in response. David's prayer in verse 22, uh, the highlight of the prayer really, how great you are, sovereign Lord. He says that many times, a sovereign Lord, the greatness of, of who God is. There is no one like you, and there is no God but you, as we have heard with our own ears. Congregation of Jesus Christ, we are looking at uh, different prayers. And we've been looking at prayers uh, over the past number of months. Every couple of weeks, we take another prayer. We've looked at the prayer of Hannah. We've looked at uh, Abraham and, and Moses. We, we looked at all kinds of prayers. David is, is the next kind of central person who, who appears in God's word and who demonstrates uh, a particular uh, beautiful aspect of prayer. Now, David, we know him for his psalms. And so in the psalms, you read two beautiful words, prayerful words, but these are our songs, right? Sung and, and David likely as, as a, as a the story unfolds as he is uh, called into Saul's service, and then Saul is, is very upset, and then David writes songs and sings for Saul. Those, those songs, too, beautifully prayerful, but not specifically a prayer. In, in the story of David, up until this actual reading, you don't actually get a sense of his, his prayer life, though, though things come up quite often in terms of, uh, for example, here, 1 Samuel 23, verse 10, where uh, David is, is uh, being threatened by Saul, and he very clearly calls out to God, and it is a, a, a prayerful interaction, O Lord God of Israel, Saul plans to come to Keilah, and destroy the town on account of me, will they surrender me to him? And the Lord answers, yes, he, they will. And so, so that interaction, right? And so you see in the life of David, he is walking closely with the Lord. He is in prayer with the Lord. Things come up, calls on the Lord, answered, beautiful. That's the life of prayer. Here, 2 Samuel 7 uh, David is king in Jerusalem, and they think he's about 30 years old. And now this is actually the first more extensive prayer that the Bible records. And he comes before God with a, a different thing. It's, it's not uh, save me here, help me there. It's a desire of his heart, verse 2 of, of chapter 7. He wants to do more for God. He wants to build God a, a house, a temple, not just the tabernacle. And you have to, have to recognize, yeah, the tent is still there that they've been using uh, over all the years through the wilderness and everything else. And they have it there, but, but it's understandable, right? If, if, if the, the church is old and dilapidated, you want uh, something new. And so the tent is old and, and it's still serviceable, but he has this beautiful desire, just a concern because God is dwelling in a house and, and the way 
the way he puts it here too, a house of, of skins, a house of animal skins, and specifically uh, the, the description there is of, well, there's various translations. Here are the various translations. Um, the, the, he's making reference, this is from Exodus 25, where they are making the original tabernacle and they're using ram skins, dyed red, and seal skins is the, uh, the American Standard Version translation. Uh, the NIV uses the hides of sea cows. So the manatee, those, those big sea. So their hides, that's what the, the tabernacle is made of. Or the King James Version, they weren't sure and they meant they call badger skins. So the actual tabernacle was made from the skins of rams, badger skins, and a particular kind of wood. And then the Amplified Bible uh, includes goatskins, dolphin, and porpoise skins. And then Holman's translation is uh, manatee skins, actually uses manatee. So, so this, is, this is the tent that, that they've been using, right? And, and it has been very serviceable, and they, they made it as beautiful. If you read in Exodus all the descriptions, but at this point, David says too, Lord, I want to serve you in this way. I want to uh, build you a proper house, a proper, and, and that's a beautiful, prayerful desire of David's heart. I mean, what a wonderful thing. I mean, the man is, is offering to do this, and, and wonderful, wonderful. His heart is pure and good and right, and he says, God, let me build you a great house, and thanks to you, really, for all that you have done. And David is now in Jerusalem, and, and God has provided for him in so many ways, and so wonderful response. David offers this prayer, and the answer uh, is no. Nathan, Nathan thinks the answer will be yes, but the answer is actually no. And that's, that's in the biblical expression of prayer that happens more often. And so there again, David is told no. And so that, that is reality in our life of prayer with God. God says yes. At times, God says no. In this particular case, God, God does a very striking thing. David has said, I, I want to build you a house. And it's as if, it's as if it, it, it triggers in God's mind and in God's heart, God is a builder. God likes building. And so, so if, if David is talking about, okay, I want to do a little building for you here, God. And then it's as if God steps back with David and and says, building, building, I, I like building, I'm the builder. And so when, when David says, can I build you a house, uh, the response of God, verse 6, reminding David that he's dwelt in this uh, tent without complaining, verse 7, for all these years, and then God describes his building project, verses 9 and 10. 
God has been building a people and a land, his people Israel, and he's been placing them in the land. And, and at the we events that we've been having, we've been looking at God's covenant, and that's what God has always intended to do. He's going to build this great people Israel, and he's going to put them in the land, and he's going to establish them as a witness. And so, so God is all about building. He's building up that presence, his name, his glory, and that's what he's loving to do. And even here, to see that, and then verse 11, where he says to David, in fact, God declares, I'm going to build you a house. I'm going to build your house. And, and even that, that we realize that, that whatever, whatever we feel maybe we have built, it's God who has built it. God is the one who builds it. God is the one who establishes the work of our hands. And so David is wondering, what can he do for God? And, and God is saying to him, really, very little. Really, really. If you think just me, I'm going to do this. Well, God willing, we talked about that last Sunday night. God willing that he would use us to be part of his building. And he is the one who is building. And so that's the great and glorious and amazing picture that is presented to David. God is the one who is the builder. And so he is, receives the, the promise, verse 13, that, that God has in mind, God the builder, that Solomon will actually set up a structure, the structure of the temple. That's God's plan, worked out, right? And so David has to acquiesce for that, to that. And then the sense of David's name and place and reputation, verse 16, that will endure forever, points very clearly to Jesus that in our understanding, the glorious fulfillment. So God is actually building from, from Abraham through Moses, through the people of Egypt, people out of Egypt, into the land, and the land under David, and then not just there, but from David through all the time, through the exile, to Jesus, who is the fulfillment of David, the king, Jesus, the king. And so, so David says, I'm going to build you a house. God, God has huge in mind, all the way to Jesus, all the way to us. And this is the part of the building that we have to keep fully in mind. It's God who is doing all of the building of any value and of any importance. And so that center is clearly placed before David as he is reflecting on God and, and in communion with God that big building God is doing. So David wants to do something for God, build a house for God. God responds by building a house for David. And, and that's the sense of, 
of, I think, Jesus' words in Matthew 6, 33, that, that we want to seek first God's kingdom, God's building, what God is doing. And then for us, all things will be added. We will be taken care of in his grace. So when we try to do something for God or for the church and, and, and we fumble along, our, our efforts are, are pretty, pretty meek and mild, pretty limited. And so to see always that it's actually the other way around, to, to think too, what, what am I doing? Yeah, we try to do what we can absolutely, and prayerfully we try to do that. But we have to see that it has to be God who is in his grace providing for us and uh, building. And so here we have that reality worked out as it says here in 2 Samuel 7 verse 16, your house and your kingdom will endure before me. That points to Jesus. And then even something like John 14 verse 2, in my father's house are many rooms if it were not so, I would have told you, I'm building there to prepare a place for you. There's, there's an eternal home. And when it says in, in 2 Samuel 7, verse 16, that, that your kingdom will endure forever, that there is an eternal sense even beyond this world. So this is what God is doing. Prayer, our prayer draws us into that. Our prayer stops us from, from just looking around at, at the little things that we're trying to do and, and we're frustrated here, we're getting stuck there and, and, and things are not progressing the way we like here. Our, our prayer draws us into the reality of what God is doing. That's where hope is. That's where our strength is. That's where our confidence is. And so... That's what God is doing here, causing David to look even beyond what he can imagine. And so he lays this out for David, this, this response to David's initial desire, and David responds, beautiful response, a wonderful, humble prayer. He gives thanks to God with a greater sense of all that God has done and is doing. And that's, that's the key. We, we can give thanks to God. A greater sense, the greater we can understand, the better. So how does he do that? David, in his response, he uh, acknowledges God's blessing that have brought him to this point, to Samuel 7, verse 18, Then King David went and sat before the Lord. He said, Who am I, O sovereign Lord, and what is my family that you had brought me this far? So, so immediately in his prayer, trying to see the greatness of God, also in his own life, and he thinks back, You have brought me this far. He's 30 years old. He's king in Jerusalem. Wow. God has done amazing things. David, David knew already early on when he was anointed with his brothers that, that something was in mind. But in, in all of the running around and fleeing and fighting and things, that God was at work. He sees it. He acknowledges it. 
he gives thanks for it. So for us, when, when you pray, do you look back yourself on your life to this point and, and see what God has done, reflecting back thankfully on that? If you think back on your life, can you see how God has been there? And can you, can you honestly say, instead of, well, I built this up, no, no, God, God does the building. God blesses it. God is the one to whom I give thanks. And so any sense of, boy, I was smart, I worked hard, I was smarter and worked harder than anybody else, all of that goes out. And, and the trusting in God comes back, which needs to be there in prayer. And prayer draws us into that brings us to a right understanding. Thank you, God, for bringing me this far. Without your provision, without your guidance, without your blessing, I would be nothing at all. So that, that's the, the humble, thankful prayer. The, the second thing he also acknowledges uh, in terms of the future, really how unworthy he is. Uh, verse 19 uh, and if this were not enough in your sight, O Sovereign Lord, you have also spoken about the future, the house of your servant. Is this your usual way of dealing with man, O Sovereign Lord? We understand that a little bit more in the sense of the future. Yeah, how is that going to be? We have to trust the Lord. We have to trust him. The future is uncertain for us, but we can be certain in God who is building his kingdom. Even in the difficult times, even in the uncertain times. And so that's David's center, humble, prayerful center again, a confident future in God, in prayer, drawing us to that strong center. Our future is secure when we humbly pray with thanks to God. That's a wonderful gift of prayer. And then, uh, thirdly, and finally, uh, this, this sense of God speaking into David's life in such a way that it, it draws him to a point of declaring God's greatness. 2 Samuel 7, verse 22, our text. How great you are, O Sovereign Lord. There is no one like you, and there is no God but you, as we have heard with our own ears. And this is really one of the first times where, where we get, uh, there's no past here. There's no, there's no thinking anymore, okay, God, thank you for what you've done for me in the past, and there's no thinking, God, Okay, I trust you for the future. Those are important things. But this is simply God. This is simply prayerfully realizing you are talking to the living God. You are in communication with the God of all the earth. And, and nothing else really matters. You are, you are stopping 
whatever the concerns are, and you are offering your prayer to, to the God who knows all and is above all and is stronger than all and is able to do all, and, and it doesn't matter what he's done or what he will do, you are honored, privileged, able to be in relationship to him. That's the most amazing thing. Just to know God himself. And that's, that's a little less practical. That's uh, a little less, well, what does that do for us exactly in the past or in the future? Well, no, that's, that's the, the, the center of, of our faith and where we find ourselves no matter what happens. To have that clearly before us, it's not to be tied to anything else but that God, the gracious God, loves us and is in relationship with us. That's the amazing thing, that you and I are in relationship with him. That is wonder beyond compare. So to offer prayer to God like that, to, to not focus on the past, not focus on the future in terms of need, but simply focus on God, thankful that he has brought us into relationship with him, thankful that he has that, that tie to us. He ties himself to us. One of the things in the studies last summer in terms of Henry Nouwen was that particular focus and and it's it's it was a little it's a little different for us in in terms of yeah we we pray specifically about this or about that but just to pause and to to take a little time in prayer just to sit and and to reflect on the fact that God the great God Jesus our Lord and Savior is in relationship with us just to enter into that and to come to hold that clearly no matter what happens. That simple, central, humble, thankful prayer. It, it's something like Philippians 3 verse 10 where Paul says, I want to know Christ. I want to just know Christ. I want to just reflect on who he is and that his resurrection is my hope that, that he suffered for me and that he continues to be with me even in the struggles. That, that central reality, that's what David comes to as he concludes his prayer. He finishes with that, that sense of having the name of the Lord be praised, verse 26, so that your name will be great forever that you are the Lord God Almighty. You are the sovereign God. And that's why he comes back to it over and over again. Just your greatness. You are at work. You are building your kingdom and that you are doing that with, in, and through us is beyond our imagining, beyond compare. And so that's the prayer that draws us into closer relationship with God, with Jesus Christ. 
Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this gift.